She wrote, The road is leading into the distance, the distance where we are going and which we cannot see. There's a slight rise toward the horizon of tall grass and a long line of poplar trees. It's deserted. We have the whole world to ourselves. The tall grass is bending to the breeze. The air is the color of candlelight on an icon. The sun has almost reached the horizon. There's not much time, and yet you feel, with so much space around you, that nothing could ever change. Not the sun or the tall grass or the road into the distance. She was pleased with her words. Well, not exactly her words. They were meant to be his words, and only as she reported them. Perhaps he had said something quite different. They had been for a ride in the carriage, and these words were a gift of vision, a way of helping her see the world. The difficulty lay in capturing a moment. His voice, its warmth and depth, was lost already. What could a short paragraph do to convey so much? The road, the trees, the sky, the light. A whole vista no one could see now except through words. And his presence there with her? A brief respite in her darkness, his breath, his low laughter. You take the words, she thought, by themselves, individually. They're almost meaningless. You take them one by one and you build not only a description, a vision, but also a memory, where you're present and he is present too, though neither of you is described by those words. What sort of magic was this? If she were sentimental or mystical, she might invoke love or faith. But for now, she must be satisfied with craft. Yes, craft. They were someone else's words, after all. She was not the author. Just the scribe, the interpreter, the diarist, the translator. The First Summer Luka, Sumy, Kharkivsky Province April 1888 A journal That is what I need to feel these dull, long hours, when I used to be working, helping others, and forgetting myself. Now it seems I must remember. A journal will occupy me, although there won't be much to say. Or will there? If my life were as it had always been until this untimely rebellion of my flesh, I would indeed have little of interest to relate. A catalogue of peasants' woos. Grigory Petrovich has the gripes again. Anusha is suffering from sciatica and about to give birth. Kostya's toes were crushed beneath the cartwheel. My own provincial life. Visits to neighboring estates. Conversations when we all find a moment to be together. Pasha's problems, as usual, with the authorities. His politics of some concern to the Tsar's representatives in our remote province. There would not be much to say about me, but that bit of flesh in my brain is forcing me to withdraw from the life I knew, and I become the subject of my life. This embarrasses me and seems wrong, but Mama and Yelena have encouraged me, and now they bring me tea and ink and a bound notebook and sit quietly by me while I scribble as clearly as I can. Mama says, rather too wisely. I am certain you will discover the territory of the soul, as once you discovered the human body. I laugh and say, you mean I am to dissect myself? You may dissect us all, 
in a manner of speaking. You must do what you can, whatever is necessary, to live with your diagnosis. I am a doctor still, and I know what awaits me. Professor Chudnovsky himself was clear about that. I am living, as the English say, on borrowed time. To whom am I to repay this time, and when? I am young, only thirty, and in our family we live long lives. We are not consumptive, nor are we drinkers of alcohol. We eat well and go for long walks, summer and winter alike. What have I done to deserve this? It's nothing I caught at the practice. No, no contagious disease like typhus or diphtheria. I'm simply a victim of chance misfortune. Yet, I have been a useful person. If I had believed in God, I would now lose whatever tattered faith remained.